1: What are love languages? How do you identify your love language? And what's the benefit of knowing what yours actually is? We'll answer all these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. <laughs> All right, it's the eve of Valentine's Day, and love is in the air. As Cupid gets out his bow, I'm here to help you out. Whether you're celebrating with a partner, friends, or maybe just indulging in a self-care day, you might want to know a little bit about your love language. Well, what in the world is a love language? There are hundreds of online quizzes that can help you decipher not only how you receive love, but also how you display love. And now there's a point to all of this. If we know our love language, we can come up with solutions for how to nurture and evolve our relationships with others and ourselves. So what external factors contribute to knowing your love language? How does your love language differ or relate to the way you display love to others? And what's the psychology behind all of this? Well, I'm in luck because here to talk me through all of this is psychotherapist and author Dr. Christy Overstreet. Dr. Christie, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited to get this started. I um, I actually had never heard a few years ago about love languages. And then I remember I was in this relationship and it was my boyfriend at the time was like, what's your love language? And I was like, I don't really know what my love language is. So that was kind of my first exposure. So let's just start out by going through what exactly is a love language.
0: Sure. Love language, the most simple way to think of it, it's how we communicate love. And love can be abstract because how I like to feel love might be different than another person, how they want to feel love and how I give love might be different than how somebody wants to receive. So it's putting more words in depth into our own personalized way that we like to receive
1: love. OK, so then we when we talk about compatibility, like we think about, all right, well, do we align in our views? Do we al- align in our morals? But, you know, it's kind of interesting. You don't really necessarily always think, do we align in the way that we give and receive love? Because how my partner might receive it or want it is different than what I want. So what are the different ways that we can show love?
0: Well, let's start out by identifying those five love languages that was developed by Dr. Gary Chapman a very long time ago. And breaking these down, we just kind of think about which ones resonate most with you. We've got physical touch, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and words of affirmation. And we can definitely break each of those down. But think about which one sticks out to you most dominantly because most of us like a little bit of all that, right? Mm. but there's that dominant one that sticks out more of how we really like to receive that love.
1: Okay. So what real quick, before I go into which one I think I do um, when you talk (laughs) about love languages, are we talking about the way that we want to be loved or the way that we think we show love? Well,
0: it's how we want to feel love, how we experience love coming to us. And a lot of times we don't think about how we give it until we hear from our partners, whether it's working or not working.
1: I see. Okay, so just to recap, we have physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, and receiving gifts. Is that right? You got it. Okay, so... Personally, I think the reason that my boyfriend at the time asked me this, um, and I took it the way that he was saying, how do I show love? Because I'm not this I'm not super mushy. I don't I feel like I struggle with giving words of affirmation. Now I feel like we're in a therapy session. So I hope my listeners just <laughs> get a, a, a look into my mind um, and I'll have I'll have our team Venmo you for my fee, Dr. Christie. Um, so I think uh I show love with acts of service because I think that the most important thing that you can give someone is your time. Yes, I hear you on that one. Right. Or, Or quality time. So I guess those kind of go hand in hand is because for an act of service to happen, you have to give someone your time, but also you have quality time. So maybe we should break these down.
0: Yeah, let's break them down and let's start with yours, that acts of service, because you're right when you're doing that nice thing for that person you care about and you're helping them out, you are sacrificing some of your own personal time to do that act of service such as maybe you're running an errand or you're helping out around the house or one of my favorite when someone stops and puts gas in my car Mm. takes the trash out that i don't have to do right Mm. and that act of service is taken away from their time or your time that's different than the quality time because when we look at quality time it's where you're got one another's undivided attention it means those cell phones are away no one's scrolling through instagram no one's going on facebook You're just sitting there talking and possibly even making eye contact with one another. So quality time is different than the time we may sacrifice to give that act of service.
1: Oh, Okay, that makes a lot more sense. And I think then, I still think that maybe it's both for me. But quality time, I think because we all live such busy lives. Um, I think quality time is probably how I just, given the schedule that I have, maybe the way that I show that I care about someone is that I want to give you, you know, make room in this for you. But then that makes me sound a little conceited, right? Like, it's like, oh, I'm so busy. I Hopefully you, I can fit you into my schedule. That's not at all what I mean. But um, I think that's how I would want to be loved also. And, like, acts of service, driving to the airport, for instance. Like, you know, I might not say, hey, mm-hmm. I love you. Like, you're this, the, the best person of all time. Like, they should hopefully know that. But if I want to go pick you up from the airport, I hope that you know I, I, you can always count on me sort of thing without asking me to do it.
0: I love that example. The, I think that is a true testament of care. If someone's going to take and drive you to the airport and right? sacrifice that time and <laughs> traffic, I mean, that's that's big.
1: Yeah. Okay, so then how can your love languages be different depending on your relationship? And then um, just to follow up on that also, does your love language ever change depending on who you're with?
0: It could because we are continuing to change and evolve. And who we are, even with the same person over many years, because as we change the relationship dynamic changes, or if it's with someone else, maybe something that wasn't as important for you as now more important for you, because maybe you've dialed into something that you found about a need, want, or desire that you had. So it does change over time and with different people.
1: Mm. That's interesting because if you truly care about someone maybe you're not loving them in the way that they need to be loved and it would be nice for you to show that true act of love by changing kind of the way that you give your own. So that's it's where that's probably the part of the key to a successful marriage, right? I mean you you learn more about your partner and you kind of get stuck in your ways in in some points. Um and to that point Dr. Chris, Christy, I think about If you start dating someone when you're young or like, let's say you're in college and you kind of grow up together, does that have any effect on the way that you develop your love language? Or is this something that we get from our parents or seeing our parents interact or how we're born and the conditions we're in when we're growing up?
0: It's really all of those combined experiences because who you are as a kid growing up and that parent system, how they acted towards you. You know, what happened when there was a crisis, when there was a problem? Did you feel safe? Did you feel secure? Were you told that you were loved or shown you were loved? That is going to help you develop around a certain type of love language when maybe you didn't get those needs met or that you went through some type of trauma or harm or addiction or all kinds of things that happen within family systems. That can affect maybe certain desires you have for that love language. And then as we grow up and get into our own experiences as young adults and into adulthood, We start learning more about what our wants and needs and desires are, which then again, hones in on those specific love languages again. And it's really interesting because when you have a safe, secure, healthy, more days than not relationship, you really get to figure out what means the most to me. And I care about this person, love them so much. I want to also show them love the way they want to receive it which calls us to get outside of ourselves and not make it about us and really serve and connect with the person we care about and this could be a romantic partner it could also be a friend or family member or
1: someone you care about absolutely that's a really good point because we don't just show love to someone who we're romantically involved with there are a lot of people that both we receive love from and we give love to. So that's where it is important to understand, too, the way that, you, um, that you're you maybe understanding your own love languages. So do you think, uh, first of all, I guess I should ask you, how were the five love languages identified in the first place? And do you ever think that they should change or be updated?
0: Well, I think as we continue to figure ourselves out, there's always room and space to update. But as far as identifying on which ones resonate with you, ask yourself a couple of questions, because it's hard as an individual, especially depending on the relationship dynamic you're in, to say, how am I going to figure out what is important to me? So you can ask yourself just simple questions like, I feel most loved when someone does blank. That might be how they tell me how important I am to them. Maybe they give me a hug. Maybe they give me a special little gift. And then I feel best about my relationships when someone tells me they're proud of me or maybe they invite me to spend time with them or maybe they help out by running an errand. There's little things we can think about ourselves as it relates to other people to see what do we feel most love from? And looking at those five love languages, you can kind of go through those and pick it out. And again, we don't have to pick Just one. Most of us are made different ones mean different things to us in a different amount, but there's typically one to two that are more dominant than the others.
1: Mm. So what I guess what is important about identifying your own love language when you enter, let's say, a romantic relationship?
0: Well, it's our responsibility as we enter into that relationship to tell that person what our needs, wants and desires are. It's up to us to figure out how we want to receive love, not them, because I do believe it's our personal responsibility is how we show up in a relationship. We have to bring our half and we have to be our healthiest self. So when we know what love languages mean the most to us and maybe that dominant one or that two that feels really good for us, why not make the relationship a lot easier by saying hey i really like to receive physical touch or i really like it when you tell me how much you care about me or when you put your phone down and spend time with me it's almost like the easy button in some relationships because you're taking all that guessing and it shows that you have strength in yourself and you know who you are i mean what a gift to give to that
1: new partner totally i mean can i tell someone all five because all five sound really nice to me (laughs)
0: Absolutely. I would encourage you to put them in uh, descending order, though. That would be helpful. There we go. I
1: love it. I love it. All right. I have that in my head then. All right. We've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: What's the psychology behind love language? I'm curious about this because you are a psychotherapist, and you, you know, can kind of look into someone's brain and how their they, their behaviors and all of that. So, how does that play into love languages?
0: We want to feel safe and secure as humans, and we want to know that we belong and are connected and when we're safe and secure we can be vulnerable and when we can be vulnerable and we get to trust and trust comes along with vulnerability and for us to be safe in our relationships whatever that relationship may be that vulnerability and trust is crucial and the love languages helps us have this empathy towards ourselves as well as other people Uh, that we're connected to, and it gives that personal growth. When we're able to say, hey, I really like this means a lot to me, this specific love language, then we feel like, hey, I know myself very well, and I'm giving you this gift of getting to know me as well. And you can learn to really show love and share love in these different meaningful ways with one another, and it also helps really create this intimacy and this connection that we need within ourselves and in relationships.
1: In your opinion, uh, Dr. Christie, of the love language, I'm looking at him again and you talk about intimacy. Uh, Obviously, intimacy comes from emotions and physical touch. But what do you think helps you be the most intimate with your romantic partner, partner with your friends? Um, You know, and obviously intimacy means different things in, in each example. But what do you think which love languages speak most toward to uh, intimacy?
0: Well, let's look at defining intimacy as a whole. So when I think about intimacy in the folks that I work with, I look at it as connectedness to be connected. Mm -hmm. And there's different ways we can connect. There's actually 12 different types of intimacy, but we don't have to go through all those right now. And one of them that's really important is communication intimacy. Physical intimacy, spiritual intimacy, crisis intimacy, there's several of those. But if we think about intimacy as connectedness, to have intimacy, we have to have trust. They're in tandem. So each of these examples, these love language all play into trust in some way or the other, whether it's physical touch, meaning when I go to give you a hug, if you push me away, my connection to you is going to go down. Therefore, my trust in you in this moment is going to go down. But if I reach out to give you a hug and you give me this tight squeeze, I'm going to feel good. Those chemicals are going to start flowing. I'm going to feel connected to you and innately I'm going to have more trust in you. Then when we look at the acts of service, when when we do something for someone or someone does something for us, We're thinking that, hey, we trust that person, that they're showing up in our lives and doing those little things that can make really big differences for our time and our day and helping out. And it's the offer. Because acts of service, of course, we've got all the different examples, but it really means feeling love when someone offers to help you with something they know you need help with or to take things off your plate. And when someone helps us, we trust them. Therefore, we're more intimate, connected to them. And then with the gifts, one of the things when it comes with gifts is not the expensiveness or the largeness of the gifts it's more of the, that person took time and effort into getting a gift that's really what it's about versus the specific gift and again time and effort says hey you're worth it to me to be connected to therefore that trust is there and in quality time is pretty easy if you're going to give me my t- your time we're going to have that space to be very connected with one another. You're turning your phone off and you're making eye contact with me, which makes me feel worthy of you and worthy of myself in that space. And then the words of affirmation are great ways to show gratitude, express affection, praise, joy, all those things mm-hmm. that definitely help us feel more trusting to that person.
1: That is really fascinating. Oh, quick question. Are you from the South? I hear something in your in your voice. <laughs> Yes, a great state of Georgia. Go, dogs. Amazing. Go, dogs. Um, Well, I was wondering because when you brought up the hug um, as Mm -hmm. a a form of intimacy, I think about when you're in the South, and uh, I do a lot of filming all over the country. And whenever I'm there, no matter what state I'm in, the people are so welcoming, and I end up feeling closer to people that I have just met than I do to people that I cross the street or talk to every day in New York City. And I think it's because of that, you know, when you do give someone a hug, it's that full double-armed hug where they pull you in and they press you against their heart and you're like, wow, this person really cares about me, even though I've known them for five seconds. And um, I think that really speaks to this connectedness that you feel with that certain love language.
0: It does. And it shows if I'm bringing you into my physical space, meaning we all have physical boundaries. When you come into my physical boundary and I'm bringing you in, it shows that I trust you and I'm not oh. going to hurt you and you're safe. And then we have all the feel good endorphins and chemicals that flow out as well, of having just that physical touch and that embrace.
1: Wow. I didn't think about it that way. Um, okay. So we talk about, the things that are positive about learning about our love languages. And I have to go, you know, with, with optimism, sometimes comes pessimism. Are there any negative things about love language?
0: Well, yeah, it can definitely come up because if you're wanting, a, you're, if your love language, your go-to, let's just say it's physical intimacy or physical touch in some way, and that can just be cuddling, kissing, hugging, touchy-feely stuff. And you reach out and that person's not interested that's going to really hurt, and it can cause you to start guess second guessing yourself. Say, maybe I didn't need to do that, or what's wrong with me? Mm. Am I doing something wrong? And you could definitely mit, have a really big miss on that. And then with the acts of service, what if acts of service is really important to you, and y- the person that you care about refuses to help out? Right, uh. you've got a thousand things going on, and they're just like, "Hey, yeah, no, I'm just I got stuff to do too. You you got to deal with this yourself." that's going to hurt your heart because the way you needed to receive love was not given to you. So it can really blow up in your face if you're in a relationship or friendship or family ship where there's not, you don't have an understanding of one another's love languages and those needs. That's just a couple of examples.
1: Mm. Yeah. I can imagine too, if you're used to giving and, and doing acts of service and if it's not reciprocated You might feel a little resentful because you're like, well, I'm doing this for you and I'm not doing it to get it in return, but it would be nice to get that in return every once in a while.
0: Absolutely. And that's why we have to work on communicating and speaking up about those needs, Mm -hmm. because if we don't do it and do it in an assertive way, and there's there's positive ways to do this so that we get our
1: needs met. And it's
0: really not fair to that other person if we're not letting them know where we stand with these. Okay.
1: Um, what is the psychology behind how you give and receive? Is it sometimes the same, like how I give my love? Is that in my head how I also want to receive love?
0: Yes, it is. I'm the same way because I'm an acts of service girl.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: coming from the South, I take care of, we feed everybody, we clean up, we want to make sure everybody's doing good and give, give, give and help out. And I also love it when someone does that for me. And in my relationship, he'll you know, take and help out or do those chores. Or, and I don't even have to ask. And so for me, giving and receiving is the same. That's not for everyone, but that's, it, it can definitely be that way. And it's really happenstance about what importance is for you. For me, cleanliness, orderliness, organization, everything being in its little home or right place is important for me. Whereas someone else may like to give and receive in a different way that does not align.
1: Yeah, I was actually curious about that because the more I think about it, um, our love languages kind of define how we see love. So if I'm going to give love in a certain way, that's probably also how I define love. That's why I'm trying to show love to someone in that way. So if there's a difference and, and you're not receiving that, that just means someone else might see love differently. And then you get into a whole a whole other thing This <laughs> is really interesting i'm now understanding why some couples don't work out <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly
0: it and it is possible for people to connect but you have to understand each individual's love language the dominant one and then be able to talk about it and then make a commitment to grow and collaborate together if you want it to work out and that means both people will
1: have to commit to doing the work to make that happen. Mm-hmm. What uh, would you say are the most common love languages? Quality time,
0: interestingly really? enough, is the most common. Yeah, and for, for my I'm work, basic. A lot of time, yeah, well, physical <laughs> you and I touch both. is important too. But yeah, quality time is crucial because like you said earlier, Abby, the business of the world and the schedules and us getting pulled in all these different ways, quality time is getting harder and harder for couples uh, and individuals to find that, whether it's friends or family ships or in partnerships. Hmm. And what's the least common? The least common typically is gifts because it, I think because it gets a bad rap. Like we yeah. get like, oh, well, no, I'm not a gifty person. I'm not material. But when you think about it, it's not really about the value of the gift, or the amount of the gift. It's the this is a physical representation that I put time and effort to thinking about you. It could be your favorite candy bar or something bigger, but it's it's the act of doing it. That is what it says to that person. So I think that's probably why it's the least common one. Um, I think sometimes it might not be quite as understood, but quality time is the most common.
1: It's funny because I'm seeing a common thread between all of these love languages, and it seems to be time because even when you talk about gifts, what you just said right there is that the way that you show love is the amount of thought that you put into maybe getting someone a gift. I think about, you know, Christmas time or birthdays. My mom is so amazing because... She doesn't just go out and like buy me whatever, you know, like a new purse. That's because she knows that's not me. She really puts thought into each and everything that she does. I'm not saying that's her most common love language, but I'm like, you know, that makes me feel very loved because she remembers a little conversation we had four months ago and then I see it pop up in my birthday gift somehow.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great example. So if time is that common thread that we're talking about nailing down here, it just shows This is a pattern that if there's anyone not feeling great about their relationship dynamic or their friendship or family ship, maybe we need to take a look about how we're spending or not spending time in those dynamics.
1: So if you're dating somebody and you realize that your love languages are different, what would be your biggest advice to that couple? I would say your love language, how you give and receive are different. So how are you gonna collaborate and make it
0: happen? How are the two of you at saying, all right, I'm gonna put mine to the side and I'm gonna give and meet yours because I know I'm modeling that. And then that's gonna help you reciprocate and give back to me. That's where the communication is crucial. And with the communication, we can have the intimacy connectedness to see that trust go up because when trust goes up, so does that intimacy. Uh, So talking about it and having a joint uh, collaboration to say, we're both gonna work on this and be aware of it. And And if I'm falling short, go ahead, call me out in a lovingly way. Say, hey, Christy, I really need some help around the house and you haven't really helped out. Just let me know because I may not be aware. It might not be personal, but we all need those check-ins, especially when it's a different love language. And we've got to give, well, individuals will have to give one another grace. And I think that's where most couples really struggle. They don't give themselves or one another grace to be flexible, to get do-overs, and we're so quick to get really defensive.
1: And that just messes everything up. I might be getting too in the weeds with the psychology aspect of this, but I'm so fascinated in the human brain. Um, do you see more couples work out who agree on or have similar love languages or do you see more couples work out who have to work on it because it could go both ways, right? Like if you're in a relationship and you are used to communicating and you understand each other, it's just breezy. You don't have to really think about it. So it seems like that would work. But then on the other hand, if you have different love languages, then that means you have to work a little bit harder. You have to give that grace that you are talking about and it helps your relationship grow stronger because sometimes couples who go through adversity, or challenges, sometimes they, and it's like when you break a bone and it grows back stronger. I don't know if that's real, but (laughs) I feel like the bone might be weaker when it grows back. I don't know.
0: (laughs) We'll say no. You're Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Um With that being said, it really depends on the individual couple and the commitment to one another, because like you said, adversity can bring crisis intimacy way up, which is really important. How you connect during a crisis or difficult situation or adversity can really help trust improve and help that intimacy improve. Now, sure, ideally, it's great if they have the same love language, but that's not the commonality. Most people don't, which means it is totally doable if your love languages are different. It's what you're willing to do and how bad you're willing to make this work to listen and collaborate on what both of your needs, wants and desires are.
1: Wow. I, I love that because it is true. I mean, if you meet somebody, it's it's the age old story of maybe you don't hit it off at first. And the first couple months, you're like, oh, I don't really know if I like this person. And then the more that you grow together and you learn about one another, it's it's how much are you willing to understand and kind of shift your own ways that you've been in um, in order to cater to that other person. And that shows true love.
0: Yes, while also balancing your needs and wants at the same time. And it is, it is possible to do that. And that, you hit the nail on the head with the growing together. And growing together does not mean it's like a race, like you have to be side by side in the amount of growth 24-7. That just doesn't exist. But the continued steady growth and commitment to one another to to make this work, if that is the goal.
1: Mm. Definitely. Uh, all right. So to, to wrap this up, Dr. Christy, if there was anything that someone if they're listening to this and they're like, I don't really care about love languages, why should they care? Because
0: you deserve love, you're worthy of love, and you're probably wanting love in some kind of way, however you define it to be. And you understanding your love language and the person you care about, how they like to receive It's like the key that's probably missing within your relationship dynamic. So you're not just doing it for another person. You're understanding because you deserve a healthy and happy relationship. And to get that, you got to have this self-awareness.
1: Well, I I appreciate you giving me your quality time right now. I I had your (laughs) undivided attention and I'm really appreciative of that. And if we ever meet in person, which I hope we do, I will give you a very heartfelt hug that sounds like
0: a great plan can't wait
1: all right dr christie thank you so much for joining and be safe thank you so much all right if you missed anything from class these are my office hours and here are some top takeaways about love languages number one the psychology behind love languages really boils down to trust Trust comes with vulnerability. We want to feel safe. Love languages help us to have empathy towards ourselves and toward other people so we can feel that safety. Number two, when talking about love languages, it's important to know that intimacy doesn't just come from physicality. It's all about connectedness. Dr. Christie actually points out that there are 12 different types of intimacy and ways to connect, which also means our love languages can evolve over time. Which brings me to number three. If your love language differs from that of your partner or your friend, don't worry. Dr. Christie just suggests that we treat one another with grace. Try to show empathy and communicate how you give love and how you want to be loved. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on Love Languages. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Fast dismissed.
0: Kudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Kudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.